This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello and welcome to another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. I'm your host, Bob Asman, and I'm glad to be back with you today. And especially on this podcast, because we have not just one guest, but I have three guests joining me today. They're my colleagues in the latest edition of the Customer Experience 4 book with 18 authors sharing their insights on customer experience. And we're doing this roundtable to get their insights and their thoughts, not only on their chapters, but on customer experience in general. So... With that opening, I'd like our guests to introduce themselves. Again, these are our co-authors on the Customer Experience 4 book, which was just released. And I'd like to start today's session with Kristen, if you would introduce yourself to our listeners. Thanks for that, Bob. Uh, And uh, lovely to be here. Uh, This has been a fantastic project to be a part of. And uh, I've, uh, I've loved reading uh, all my fellow authors' chapters. Uh, yeah, I've been uh, in customer experience for, uh, for a little over 15 years. Uh, I, I actually started my career in, uh, in sales with, um, with Coca-Cola Amatil and then, uh, and then moved over to, uh, to marketing. Uh, and from there held uh, various uh, product marketing and channel marketing roles. Uh, before I moved into telecommunications and uh, discovered the world of customer experience. Uh, so I've been, as I said, in CX for quite a few years now. And uh, and in the last year, I actually made the decision to go out on my own. Uh, so I'm now working with a number of multinationals in Australia uh, who are on a journey to really inject customer-centric thinking into their way of doing business. So I'm leading a number of uh, masterclasses uh, as well as producing course content to ensure that employees, uh, both customer-facing and uh, and back of office, have the skills and understanding around why the customer is such a critical person uh, to be considering in the decision-making process. One of the things I love about um, this uh, series of books is the global nature of the book. And Kristen's joining us from Australia today. What city, Kristen? I'm in Sydney. Wonderful. Glad to have you. Greg, would you like to uh, introduce yourself to our listeners, please? Bob, thank you very much for the invitation. It's really a great pleasure to be either here together with you, all best-selling authors, because we need to mention that our book is best-selling on, uh, on Amazon, and I am really pleased to be part of such a great project, working together with outstanding thought leaders. But I can say in the meantime, also friends, my name is Gregorio Leoni from Zurich, Switzerland. I am known as the CX goalkeeper. I am a specialist in business transformation, innovation, and customer experience. I started my career at Accenture, 
I think everybody knows what Accenture is. Um, consulting business I went through several projects and already there it was extremely important to contact with the customer and being together with the customer. Afterwards, I moved uh, to a credit card issuer. I worked there for 10 years and this was a great experience because I had the opportunity to really work together and within a call center, a contact center, really having the customer feedback, sitting next to a customer service agent and understanding what are the customer needs. And I was responsible for the transformation of this department from a cost center into a value generating customer centric engine. We did that in the, in the last years. And since uh, December uh, last year, I moved into an hospital and I am leading the business transformation. And also there, it's all about our customers. I'm not mentioning only the patient because also important is the employees of the hospitals. I am seeing how much they are working. Uh, they are really investing hours and hours to do everything what is possible for the, for the patients. And, and it's great to be part of such, an, such an organization and try, try to drive a customer-centered transformation. Um, what I'm doing in the business or during the working hours is similar to what I'm doing outside of the working hours. I'm known as the CX Goalkeeper. I have my, my own podcast, the CX Goalkeeper. I like to write about customer experience to be part of such amazing projects as, as the book that we wrote all together. And um, I am a CCXP and judge at several international customer experience events. Wonderful. Thank you, Greg, for joining us today. And Caroline, would you join us and introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes, and I will echo uh, everybody else's sentiment in how much it was an incredible experience to be part of this book with such an eclectic group of authors. Uh, I am Caroline Maley, and I'm an experienced strategist. I work with companies, with, with leaders, with business owners to really help them create more meaningful, more impactful and more successful experiences in their business. And this path of being an experienced strategist was inspired by and stems from being coming from the live experience industry. We'll get into it probably a little bit later, but I spent 10 years on tour with Cirque du Soleil leading predominantly the VIP experiences all over the world. And so now when I look at the experiences that are created within business, whether it is from a customer point of view, an employee point of view, or even a, like a client partner sponsor relationship, I am taking a lot of that inspiration, a lot of that energy from what makes live experiences so wonderful and, and, and so impactful for, for somebody watching. And I am currently based in Cyprus, so representing the Mediterranean over here. And yeah, it's a pleasure to be part of this book, um, especially looking at customer experience from an experience design point of view. That's really my focus. Again, I, I thank you, Carolina. I, I love this. Whereas we have Sydney, Zurich, Cyprus, and Austin, Texas. What what a wonderful combination! So, before we jump into the chapters of the book, because I know our listeners want to learn more about how you came to write your particular chapters, one of the things I always find curious, as do our listeners, is what what is the career path? What are the highlights? How did you get doing what you're doing? 
you know, some, some children, when they're small, say, I want to be a doctor or I want to be a lawyer or I want to be a, uh, a paramedic or, but, but oftentimes you don't hear them say, I want to be a customer experience professional. And so what drove you, what got you your passion? What, what developed you to the point where you wanted to pursue this as a career? Um, what can you share with us in those? And I'll open this up to anybody who'd like to go and I'll facilitate it uh, from there. I say ladies first, but if nobody starts speaking, I start speaking. Um, Epi, you can uh, jump in. Uh, Bob, I think what you're asking, it's, it's a great question. But for me, the common things that every business has are customers. Because without customers, there is no business. And I started learning that during my Accenture career and then afterwards with, uh, with this credit card issuer. Uh, it's, it's really extremely important. I was working also on strategic projects as often with Accenture happens. And, and you create the best possible strategy sitting in the boardrooms together with super senior people. And, and then at some point in time, somebody told me, come with me. We go down into the contact center and you can listen to what the customer issues really are and with what they are struggling. And for me, it was really mind-blowing to understand what are the customer issues. You can start discussing about digital digitization and the best possible innovation, the technology, this and that. But the, the real issues that our customer have in, uh, different, uh, in different industries, um, they are not able to change their address. They are not getting the parcel that they, they bought and stuff like that. And therefore, I really started working together with customer and with normal employees as we all are. And, and for me, it was, was really extremely important. And I started learning what, what really matters. And what really matters in business are the human beings, the human beings as the employees, the human beings as the, the customer of, of a company and trying to get them together and to, to create value for them. You mentioned that it's clear as a nine, nine years old boy, my dream was, oh, it's not, a, it's, it's not so strange, was to be a professional soccer player, therefore <laughs> the CX goalkeeper, but I was not able to do that. And therefore I started trying to connect or inspire uh, some tactics, some strategies getting them from, from soccer and putting them into customer experience. This is what, uh, what I wrote in the book, and we can then discuss later about this, uh, what, what I wrote in the book. I love the relationship between growing up as a youth and uh, uh, what you call yourself these days, Greg. That's wonderful. Uh, thank you for sharing your career path. Uh, Kristen, how about you? Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Greg. I, I love hearing uh, I love hearing the journeys that people have been on. Um, I I actually studied law in university, um, and you know, and I I felt that I was you know setting myself up for hopefully a long and successful career um, in law, but uh, it 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 didn't go that way. And I and I say it didn't go that way because halfway through my my studies, I um, I decided to also do a commerce degree, uh, and business and, and commerce just came far more naturally. So I sort of decided early on that I, I was, you know, more 
I had more of a, a natural aptitude in the in the business space. Um, and look, funny enough, that that led me to my first role, as I said, with with Coca Cola, where I was in sales and marketing. Um, and from there, I was look, I was fortunate. I worked for some some great big multinationals. Um, you know, anyone from Goodman Fielder to News Corp to Vodafone to Telstra to Suncorp. You know, these are all big Australian brands. Um, but look, for me, the catalyst of for getting into customer experience is that I I always felt in my sales and marketing roles that I was at the end of the chain. So all of the hard work had already gone into developing a a product or service um, and my role was now to either sell that product or service or to market it. Um, And I made a decision that I wanted to be more involved in that upfront decision-making process. So I wanted to be part of saying who is this product actually targeted at? What are we going to achieve with this customer service um, from a CX perspective? Um, you know, are we going to address a pain point? Um, are we going to produce a moment of delight as a consequence of this initiative? So for me, it was really driven by a desire to be more upfront in the organisation so that I had an opportunity to mould some of the customer experiences that sales and marketing then needed to uh, make real for the business and, and deliver to customers. Excellent. Thanks for sharing, Kristen. And Caroline. Yeah, Kristen, as you were talking about your university path, I was smirking over here because I also did something similar in that I studied a science degree, a health science degree in nutrition and never did one single thing in in nutrition (laughs) or health science, which I think is a lot of, uh, you know, it's not an uncommon uh, path for a lot of people. But yeah, I so I started I started in a myriad of different things, I guess. I, I grew up in Australia, actually, and I always gravitated no matter what role that I had, whether I was working in a bar, I was actually at one point working for Lululemon Athletica, helping them open one of their first stores in Australia. Uh, I was, I actually was a gymnastics coach uh, in my early days. And no matter what role I was in, I always gravitated to the events side of things and really being part of something that created a little bit of community activation around whatever was going on, whether it was the brand, whether it was something new, whether they were trying to drive engagement. And so that's where I naturally found myself and where I always ended up. Now, when I was around 23, 24, I ran away with the circus, as as the phrase goes, and I went on tour with Cirque du Soleil. As a young, I I was very young and I I attribute a lot of my professional kind of capabilities, soft skills, expertise to Cirque du Soleil because I started quite young there and I feel like I grew up professionally in that company. I was there for 10 years in total and I ran front of house guest experience teams uh, in a number of different departments at Cirque du Soleil from, you know, food and beverage to the boutiques to box office to concierge. And where I really found my my love and my sweet spot was in the VIP because I was actually able to I was actually able to have some touch points and some connections with the guests, with a smaller number of guests. You know, it was around 200 people each night, as opposed to the two and a half thousand people that were coming in 
to sit in the big top each night. And, and that's what I loved most about it. And where I really found this kind of love of customer experience and where I started to get very curious about customer experience was the fact that we were rolling out the same experience, the same show. I was rolling out the same VIP experience, but in many different countries. I did 17 countries in total and who knows how many cities. And it was so incredibly interesting to see how customer service is kind of done, so to speak, in different countries, because the way that you the way that you train your staff to interact with customers is very different, for example, in the United States, as it is in France, as it is in Greece. You know, it's it's completely different. And I saw that firsthand. I saw it from my very own eyes. And that's how I really started to get very curious, how I started to uh, really develop my leadership around customer experience. And now how I have endless stories to tell about the world of customer experience on a global level. So that's my story. And, and I, as I said at the beginning, I, I love asking this question because obviously everyone has a unique path that they take, but, but there's also that passion that comes through and, and the, uh, and the desire to serve customers, which I think is really fantastic. And I just have to add that uh, my my undergraduate degree is in education, and I never taught. So uh, my graduate degree is in business, but uh, many of us share the same common uh, element where we pursued uh, a degree, but but did not pursue the ultimate position within that degree. So let's what the appetite of our listeners who haven't bought the best-selling edition of Customer Experience 4 yet in terms of the chapters that you decided to write about and uh, some of the highlights of those chapters and um, encouraging our listeners to then purchase the book and and, uh, have access to the 14 other authors that aren't on this podcast today. So, um, Caroline, maybe I'll start with you this time, since you finished up the last question, and uh, get your insights into the chapter you wrote for the book. So my chapter is really around the creation of experiences, as you can probably guess from everything that I've said so far. I over the I finished with Cirque du Soleil at the beginning of lockdown when you know their shows were completely shut down overnight and I started this new path as a consultant as an experienced strategist and I started to get very curious around what it takes to make an incredible experience and I started to ask anyone and everyone that was I was on a Zoom call with that I was WhatsApping anyone what is one element that makes an incredible experience? And of course, that's a very vague question. But what was very interesting is all of the answers were completely different in the story, right, in the content. However, I started to realize about 20 people in that there was this, there was these common threads that joined everybody's answers. And through that experimentation, I came up with four elements that that make an incredible experience. And I go into them, I discuss them, and I put them through the lens of my experience at Cirque du Soleil and, and give some examples from the VIP tent from all different countries. And really looking at 
the impact that these elements such as personalization and getting your customers to that feeling of a sense of belonging or connection, these kind of things and how they can actually impact the experience overall. So a lot of the work that I do and and it's reflected in the chapter is around kind of thinking in moments and really breaking down experiences into into touch points, lots and lots of lots of touch points, and then seeing where you can flourish some areas, seeing where some areas need to be a little bit more transactional, and seeing what areas that currently where there's some current kind of gaps that you can potentially inject something, some focus into. And so that's what my chapter is really about. It's it's a it's a bit of storytelling around my time at Cirque du Soleil as I go through these different four elements that I kind of base my experience strategy when I'm working with clients and working with different customers around how we can improve what they're doing in, in their businesses. Excellent. We're going to talk a little bit about storytelling, so I appreciate you bringing that up as an element of your chapter. Greg, how about you and your chapter? Bob, I would suggest let's pause for two seconds and think about a full stadium full of people. Perhaps you have something in your hands to drink. You listen to the other people. They are really happy. Yes, goal. Uh, yes, yes. A lot of rumors, but positive one, a lot of feelings and so on. And my big question is, how is it possible that, let's take the example of uh, from Germany, that 80,000 to 90,000 people sit together to watch a soccer match? And uh, even now with COVID-related risk, but only thinking about, and that's something that my mother was always telling me, what the hell? Why are you watching a soccer match 11 men's now also, or 11 women's against 11 women's, they are trying to catch this ball and and throw it in the goal. She always said, we should give to everybody one ball and then perhaps they can do more and it's more entertaining. But the reality is 11 men's or 11 women's against 11 women's trying to win. And people are paying to watch that. In uh, I take again the, the, the example of UK or Germany, 90 dollars 90 euros to watch 90 minutes managed match it means if we calculate the money value time from the experience economy it's one dollar or one euro pro per minute and it's clear we are in the business experience business if we think about the movie we are speaking roughly about 10 cents of dollar per minute in a disney park people spend roughly for the experience 20 cents for each minute and in an escape room, 40 to 50 cents for each minute that they are there. And therefore, there are facts that shows that the soccer match, soccer is business. And uh, is business and is experience business. And therefore, uh, if you're speaking about experiences, customer experience make totally sense. And in, in, the, in my chapter, I am sharing three different uh, strategies, how to win together, because customer experience is a team sport as uh, a, a soccer team and how we can win in serving our customer. There, I split my chapter in three different main tactics that, that we could leverage. I want in this discussion to quickly focus on only one. And this is the topic that I like most. It's again about people. It's Let's think about we in business, we are people. Like Again, the example of customer service representatives or employees, we hire them 
and then we script what they are allowed to say and we tell them what they are not allowed to say and we offer them not always the best tools to service customers. And this is something that I don't really understand. I understand because I'm the business wide, so, but it's something that not everybody's trying to improve. And if we think about soccer teams, the thing is there is trust within the teams. If you have a player, a team a teammate, then you trust him. If you are on the pitch, on the field and try to play, you trust him. It, the, it's, it's, it's clear. The coach selects the best player to win the match. For each role, he selects the best player and their players goes onto the pitch to win the game. They know that they all win together and, or they lose all together. And therefore, it's extremely important to come away from these, let's say, old-fashioned ideas of having hierarchies that the boss tell to the employees what needs to be done. Because there, it makes sense if I hire somebody to empower him or her to service the customer in the best way possible. And this is what I am sharing it's extremely important to put, to put a team together that it's best enabled to win the match. It means to best service the customer and therefore also trying to mix the different roles, not only call center agents that are handling calls, because as a customer, if I am contacting a company, it's not relevant to which channel I am contacting the company. It's through the phone, through social media or through emails. I want to have the same experience. And often social media is a responsibility of the marketing department. The, the, the phone is a responsibility of the contact center. The emails is a responsibility of the back office. And they are not together to offer the same experience. And therefore, it, it makes sense to create a network of different skills in order to handle these interactions and to improve them. Because it's extremely important that these teams share the same targets to deliver a superior experience. That's what we want to achieve. And also in a soccer team, everybody goes on the pitch to win the game. They have a clear target and they try to, to achieve that. And the second thing, it's also uh, from control to empowerment. And also there, already stated at the beginning, extremely important is to ensure that the Players, the employees, if they are on the pitch and they are playing, they are in charge. They can do the best thing for the customer without fearing to be judged, controlled by the supervisor, by the manager, by the boss. Because if we empower them, we gain this, this opportunity, then they will try to go the extra mile to serve the customer at the best possible way. And I think this is engage employees and we know that engage employees create happy customer and happy customer then take care of uh, the shareholders value delivering the value that our shareholders want to to conclude only about this short part of the, of the chapter i shared i think extremely important is experiences are human and therefore we need to take care of the humans that are working in our company Excellent. I love the, the team analogy. We had a pretty big event here this past Sunday in the States 
um, throwing a, a different kind of football uh, down the field. So very timely uh, at the time we're taping this podcast, Greg. Well, also there, it's exactly the same. I didn't want to mention that because I know that some people are happy about the, the outcome. Other people are not happy. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's always difficult. But at the end, it's, it's the Super Bowl. It's exactly the same. It's an experience within the experience. Also, what happened during the break was a big experience. Everybody speaking about all the advertising that were there and so on. And therefore, they created an experience within the experience. And this is, this is the reality. Sports is also business. And we need to take the best thing from sports and try to implement that in our businesses. Because if somebody is doing something better than others, then why not doing that? My point of view, it's we are always comparing ourselves with Amazon, Netflix, and Ritz Carton. These are great examples. I am learning a lot from these examples. But why not trying to get also from outside of the box best-in-class example what we can do. And I think for the team, one of the best examples, it's really sports. I like soccer and therefore I can speak about it because I know it since since I am four years old. Right. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Kristen, what about your chapter? Tell us more. Yeah, I was I was just thinking it's very timely that I'm following Greg uh, in light of my chapter being about the stadium experience. Uh, so my uh, my most recent role, I was uh, chief customer officer for a uh, a government entity in uh, in Sydney called uh, Venues New South Wales. Um, and some of you may be familiar with one of our venues, um, which is Stadium Australia, um, which was the venue used to host the Sydney Olympics in 2000. Uh, so it's an incredible stadium, um, uh, able to um, host 83,000 fans. Uh, so that was that was one of our venues. Um, and we also had a number of other uh, stadiums and entertainment centres. Uh, the focus of my chapter is telling the story of a stadium that we recently opened in Greater Western Sydney, uh, and which only in 2019, so only quite recently. Uh, and I tell the story of the, the brand promise that we set down for this stadium, which was that we, we wanted to be the people's stadium. And then I talk through the customer experience vision, which was focused on how we were going to empower world-class fan experiences. So building from that foundation, I then tell the story of the various customer experience initiatives that we put in place to ensure that we were staying true to both that brand promise and customer experience vision. Uh, so look, it's a it's a great story. The uh, the stadium's you know now coming up three years old, um, and it continues to receive rave reviews from um, from all fans who who visit the stadium. It's a it's a wonderfully inclusive environment. And uh, when I finished with uh, with Venues New South Wales at the end of 2020, um, we were sitting at a at an NPS score of of plus 68. Uh, and look, that's that's a great achievement in that stadium environment where uh, where often there are a, a number of pain points, and I touch on those in my chapter. Uh, so you know, be it the the perceived stress of getting to and from the venue and people worrying about 
you know, how long they're going to be stuck in traffic for, or, you know, sometimes the exorbitant food and beverage prices, um, which can scare people off um, taking their family with them to, to see an event. Um, so I talk through uh, the process that we went through with this stadium, which involved the use of customer personas and journey mapping in order to understand the key pain points and then to develop initiatives which address them. That's that's really fascinating to hear about that and how how all kinds of different experiences are thinking about the customer. One of the common themes that each of you talk about as part of your chapters is the concept of storytelling. And that certainly is a very um, hot topic, if you will, in the world of customer experience and experience management these days. In fact, I've had a couple of guests on recently that talked specifically about storytelling and in what I call the adjacent disciplines um, of marketing and, and promotion and so forth. So tell me a little bit about where you think we are inexperienced management with storytelling. What is this all about? Where is it going? Why is it manifesting itself right now as part of this experience management? And how do you think listeners can apply this concept to the challenges they have in their organizations as they seek to improve their customers' experience? Thoughts about that? And and, um, Caroline, perhaps... uh, you first. So I think when we look at experience design, it's a very fascinating field to be in uh, during and after the pandemic, because obviously everything we know about about experiencing the world and our day-to-day experiences has completely changed. It was completely turned upside down in an, in an instant, and we have experienced things in a completely new way. And what is really interesting to see right now in the world of experiences is really this focus on impact and meaningful and meaningfulness and connection is a big one. And even looking at, for example, the travel industry, a lot of travelers, there is this trend towards taking trips that mean something, that are just not a, just a vacation, you know, that actually you're, you are able to connect maybe with the local community. You're maybe able to support local businesses that were affected by what's gone on in the last few years, that you are able to return home transformed in some way. It doesn't have to be anything grand, but, but some kind of transformation. So it's a very interesting thing that's happening in the world of experiences as I personally interpret it and I use in a lot, in a lot of the work that I do with my clients. And I often think about Cirque du Soleil. I, I often, often reference them when I think of storytelling because anyone that has gone to a Cirque du Soleil show will know this, but there in a show, there is a very vague storyline that is usually attached to that hero's journey that we all you know, know very much so from, from when we were cartoons, watching Disney as, as kids all the way through to, to today. And the, 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 the beautiful thing about Cirque du Soleil, at least what I think is so beautiful about the way that they create their shows is there's this very vague, vague storyline. But it is up to you as the viewer, as the partaker of this experience to 
actually conjure up your own meaning of, of what has happened. And one of my favorite things, especially about being in the VIP when I was chatting with the guests, was hearing their interpretation of different parts of the show. You know, I remember one, uh, there was one act in particular where all of the acrobats were kind of dressed in white and it was a very, it was a, an aerial act. So you were looking up and, you know, somebody said to me, oh, I, I feel like that's maybe like the angels and they're going to heaven. And then somebody else had completely different viewpoints. And I just, I loved it in the VIP, just getting all of this, all of these stories that, I, n- I never would have even thought of unless I heard them. And so when you open the program at Cirque du Soleil, it doesn't say this is the main character, this is the journey they go on, that they meet these people and at the end, blah, blah, blah. It's literally just an introduction to maybe the acts, to a little bit about the costumes, a little bit about the history of the company. And I think that lends itself to just such an incredible experience because it is very much left open to interpretation. So when I'm thinking about the work that I'm doing, and and I'm especially working with in companies, I am thinking about that. And how can we take that again, what is so wonderful about storytelling in the live experiences in live events? And how can we kind of transfix that over to an experience in business that maybe is a bit kind of mundane, you know, like the weekly team meeting that you have to jump on zoom for or things like that and and so when I think of storytelling that's really what I think of and and think about sometimes and this is not the case for 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 every single every single occasion when we're looking at customer experience but sometimes there is a lot of kind of beauty and impact that can happen around keeping a story a little bit open-ended so that the customer, the guest, the viewer, the listener can actually create their own interpretation of what they have just witnessed or what they have heard or what they have just experienced if it's maybe something in store or or at a fixed location. So that's really when I think of storytelling and customer experience, I I really go down that rabbit hole. (laughs) Uh, And I think it's a good rabbit hole to go down. Really, really well stated. Kristen, your thoughts? Yeah, look, there's um, there's some great parallels between uh, what Caroline was involved with uh, and myself in, in terms of we're both involved in these experiences which uh, are asking customers to part with their discretionary income. Um, and I think more and more businesses are competing for that discretionary income. Uh, so we're asking someone to pay X many hundreds of dollars to come and see our event. And I think that really increases the, the, the responsibility that we have and the responsibility that we feel um, to deliver a great customer experience. Um, because this is not this is not an everyday cost. This is not, you know, paying your utility bill. Um, this is not a service. This is the arguably the the real delight moments that we're delivering for customers and certainly within the stadium space, um, whether it's a sporting event or a concert. Um, I always felt we had an enormous responsibility to ensure that a customer felt that those discretionary funds that they'd spent to attend our event was money well spent. And I think the power of storytelling for me was when we didn't deliver on that experience. Um, I recall one particular event. Um, it was uh, 
oh goodness me, I believe it was it was a Guns N' Roses concert um, that we were we were hosting out at Stadium Australia. Uh, and I received an email the following day from a lady who um, had attended the event with her husband. Um, they booked the tickets a, a year out. They'd, um, they'd driven in from, from regional New South Wales. Uh, they'd, you know, they'd booked accommodation. It was a real weekend for them. And unfortunately, the resulting experience um, was that they ended up having an obstructed view. Um, now, for right or wrong, and, you know, and there's, a, there's always a lot of factors that go into these things, um, you know, did the customer necessarily read all the terms and conditions and, and understand that there was a risk that their view would be obstructed? Um, regardless of all the justifications you can put out there, the reality was is that this was someone who had spent a lot of money to attend an event that was really important to them, and we didn't deliver on that. And so when it comes to storytelling, I think storytelling has the power to make those, those moments where we've disappointed a customer very real. Um, and throughout all of my, my roles, um, you know, I've, I've regularly used customer verbatims as a, as a basis for communicating just how painful a pain point is. Uh, because there's nothing like the emotion that often comes out of those customer verbatims. And I think when you're sitting in front of an executive team and you're trying to communicate that there is a burning platform that we need to address, I believe that those customer comments is what makes it real. Uh, and therefore, they're incredibly valuable. Well stated. Greg? Bring us to um, a conclusion on this question around storytelling. I think Christine and Karin already said, said quite a lot and therefore a short answer from my side. Christine spoke about money well spent and having a compelling story. And I think this is exactly what we need looking from the inside out as uh, customer experience professionals trying to push our um, transformation our initiatives throughout the company and getting the approvals um, if we want uh, the board to spend well their money or invest well their money then we need a compelling story because if you speak about NPS I think after two minutes uh, board members start to fall asleep or start playing with the, with the mobile phone if we have a story a real customer story that we can start sharing then I think it's it's quite easier that they are stay there, that we have their attention, because important is to have the attention of, of these people, that they understand that. A compelling story or storytelling creates a deeper level of emotions and therefore moving emotion. It's they can retain better this information. They get a better context what it's happening. And with this connection, you have the story. Because at the end, you need to share the story. And I would add in the storytelling, also trying to speak the language of our counterpart. In this case, if you have the CFO in front of you, again, perhaps he cares a bit about the NPS, but if you can transform the NPS increase into a return on investment or a return on the experience that we are offering and really stating that in dollars or euros, 
then it's it's easier to get this, the to get the funding and to continue what we all think it's it's relevant as a customer experience professional to conclude i think we are always pushing to improve experiences and all these relevant topics but often Older people see us as extremely religious or only extremely focused on, on customer and not on, on the older important disciplines within a company. And with our stories, we can share what happens to the customer, but also that we care about the complete business because we are focused on creating value for our employees or for our companies on the long term that we can stay longer in the business. And therefore, it totally makes sense to, to have a compelling story to share. I decided to, to, to use uh, soccer and other people use a different story. But at the end, the compelling stories stay with us and we can share what, what, what it makes sense to improve our, the customer experience. So true. So true indeed. And it's no wonder the customer experience edition four is selling so well with insights and perspectives from you three authors. It's uh, been a great conversation. These always go too quickly because I know we could talk for hours on these subjects and we're just scratching the surface, but all the more reason for our listeners to go out and buy the book Customer Experience for. Before we adjourn our podcast, I adjourn every podcast with the same question to our guests, which is, Final words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our listeners. And perhaps I will start with Caroline. I think for me, and especially having conversations like this, uh, something that I have been doing very much lately is the concept of thinking in moments. And really looking at any experience that you're offering that you have created that you want to create and breaking it down into as many moments that touch a customer as possible and you'd be surprised if you actually went through and did that activity with literally any experience how many touch points there's probably double the amount of touch points existing than you would have thought I, it, it surprises me on a daily basis when I do this activity you know with my clients or, or just in conversations like this and how many touch points go unthought of when we are trying to create these beautiful experiences these impactful cu customer journeys and so that would be my that would that would be something to to take away and think about is how can you think about what you've created or the experience that, that you run or that you lead in as many moments as possible. And where are those, there's kind of gaps that you can fill in. Excellent. Uh, Kristen. Yeah. My, uh, my experience was probably uh, learn the hard way. Um, but I think it's probably one of the most valuable lessons Uh I think as customer experience professionals, we're, we're, we're very focused on how we can make the journey easier for our customers and remove any points of friction. Um, so we tend to be very focused on, you know, pulling down the fences that are getting in the way of a good customer experience. I, I think the learning for me has been that you need to make sure you understand why the fence was erected in the first place. Because it's very easy just to become focused on we've got to pull it down 
often there's some really good reasons that that fence exists. So make sure that you've done your due diligence, you, you understand the rationale around why certain processes are in place, and then I think you're better positioned to effectively challenge the process and, uh, and hopefully produce a better outcome for the customer. Thank you, Kristen. And Greg, your words of wisdom for our listeners. Thank you very much, Bob, for this last question. Something related to our customer, again, uh, linked to, to soccer, listen to the feedback of the stadium, what our customers are saying and try to, to tell you. Related to our employees, trust the team. If you hire them, then you trust them. They will make the difference and score a lot of goals for the business. And related to the business result, only with strategy, you can win the, cha- win the championship. And phrase in an other way, if you want to offer a superior experience to your customer, it happens only if you have a strategy. It doesn't happen by accident. Wonderful. And, and my words of wisdom to our listeners are uh, go out and buy this book. It's a good one. 18 authors from around the globe share their insights, their perspectives. Uh, our three guests today, our three authors, Greg, Caroline, and Kristen, give you the flavor for how the book is written and, and the perspectives you'll receive. So it's wonderful. And while you're buying CX4, don't forget there's CX1, 2, and 3 as well, if you haven't had the pleasure of reading those. I want to thank my guests. This has been another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. I'm your host, Bob Asman. As always, share this podcast with your networks and stay tuned for future podcasts with great guests talking about experience management. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show. Follow me on LinkedIn and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit CXofM.org for more resources.